Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to T25CL Galaxy Talk Radio. I am your host, Rosalind Jordan Mills. I know it's a Tuesday night. Uh, we are just filling in for my sister, uh, Barbara. So, uh, but tonight's going to be a very important night, okay? Um, I want, you know what I always say to everyone look, kick back, relax, let's have a good time because tonight is a very pivotal night. Tonight's show is very, very pivotal. We're going to discuss the Million Man March. But first, you know what I always like to do. Uh, first of all, I want to introduce my co-host, his Galaxy Chief, none other than Andre Ward. Say hello to the people, Andre. Peace and blessings to the world, to all of our people here in America, Africa, Asia, we know that people listen to our shows all over the world. If they're not listening live, they'll be listening to the replay. But what we want to do tonight is just kind of do a follow-up on the events over the weekend and want to get input uh, from our, our people. Yes. Um, that saw it on Saturday on television, that we want the people who were there. A uh, few people should be calling in this evening who were actually there. And sometimes the television doesn't actually depict the real spirit and the emotion of the event itself. And a lot of times when you're there at the event, you have a more panoramic uh, viewpoint of what is happening and the emotions that were there. But, and, and just looking at those crowds, too, over the weekend, it looks like it was probably 2 million people there, and everybody was in peace. And matter of fact, there's more people there than came to see the Pope, actually. Okay, exactly. So where, I want you to hold that thought because you don't know I always like to open up the show because we talk about T25CL, the company as a whole, because we are a great innovative company. We're a global platform for pay-per-view distribution of independent music artists has been established. We always want to make that known. Everybody knows that, but we always want to make it known to our new callers. And I invite you to visit our website at www.t25cl.com and view all the great artists whose music is available for download. And even if you are an independent artist, you're looking to get your music out there on a global platform, on a global scale, letting the world hear your talent and all that you have to offer, T25CL is the avenue for distribution for you. Okay, very good. So tonight, uh, I know Chief wants me to open up, and I would like to open this up uh, about the discussion regarding the Million Man March. The Million Man March that took place was uh, the 20th anniversary of the Million Man March that took place 20 years ago. Um, but the theme of the Million Man March that took place last Saturday was justice or else. 
And this was the theme of the rally Saturday organized by, nation, by the Nation of Islam's leader, Louis Farrakhan, to mark the 20th anniversary of the Million Man March. I mean, messages from the first March echoed Saturday in speeches from all African-American leaders, including Farrakhan, calling for unity and institutional reform in social justice issues in affecting the black community. I mean, Farrakhan spoke to the crowd on the National Mall in Washington and reflected on the importance of passing the torch to the next generation. His words, quote, says, who, we who are getting older, what good are we if we don't prepare our young people to prepare, to carry the torch of liberation to the next step? What good are we if we think we can last forever and not prepare others to walk in our footsteps? So the overall message seemed to be directed at the black community at large, and not just men, women, children. They were all in the crowd, and Farrakhan talked at length about how men should honor women, and the topics went on and on. And and another difference this rally was clearly aimed at the digital generation, the website. And it, it was, this, this was carried live, live webcast of the events, and made it easy for people to donate money or volunteer. So speakers encouraged the crowd to share images of, of the videos of the rally and, and on social media. So <clears throat> it, it was an, a, 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 what you would call it an unprecedented time. So we're going to go into the discussions of everything that took place, the effect that is taking on the people, our people, we as a people, the generation, and how far have we come, and how far are we going. So, Chief, I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to you, and we'll go back and forth and discuss what took place. And I know we have a caller online as well. Well, as you know, we have been struggling for independence ever since the emancipation. You know, we were enslaved for a total of 310 years from 1555 to 1865. And now here we are about 150 years or so outside of the realm of uh, bondage. And since then, we wouldn't even be talking about this issue this evening if the rulers of America in 1865 would have just one, done one thing, done the reparations and apologies in 1865. Since that did not happen, we are still in the aftermath of that. Because after 1865 is when we saw the, the Klan, the Jim Crow laws, and all these other laws and, and more intense uh, racism as it went into the institutions. And we were basically locked out. Now, racism has its uh, covert application, and it has its direct application. And right now, what we are seeing, and we heard some of these talking points the other day, it's we are locked out at the economic level. See, they don't have to get the ropes 
and the white sheets anymore. They don't have to do that, even though they are still doing it. But the way that they're doing it is keeping economic opportunities away from the black community and especially black men. We want to be economically independent. We want to start businesses. We want to hire people. We want to see the business grow. We want to trade amongst one another. But what is happening right now, but now in the older days, like when you had the Black Wall Street in um, um, Oklahoma and Tulsa, and when Harlem uh, was thriving once upon a time, and now we have seen that diminish. You know, you have a few spot black businesses here and there, but on a small level, maybe a barbecue place or or a little consulting business. You know, we do have black lawyers, black accountants, black judges, black um, uh, engineers now. But it's it's more or less on a small level, and sometimes uh, people will uh, break through and um, and break that glass ceiling and to expand into larger type businesses, but what will we do after the advent of Saturday and the events? In uh, 1992, when you had the Million Man March, um, crime rate went down significantly. Even the FBI uh, started coming out some 10 years later. Oh, did you know that the murder rates in the black community has gone down? But they never would say the reason why. And it um, really was because of what happened with the uh, Million Man March in in 1992. It it had a lingering effect for years. But now, what is going to happen now, the aftermath of what has happened on Saturday? Can we collectively come together, buy, sell, and trade to strengthen our our communities can we put the the gangs down can we put the guns down can we pull our pants up and so can we start a new day amongst ourselves or do we need someone else to guide us along the way so my question is out there to you who will be calling in shortly is Can black people in America gain economic independence without the help and aid of the government in America? Can we do it ourselves? The minister brought out numbers on Saturday. $1.2 trillion is our gross domestic um, product here in America, is 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 the spending power that we have $1.2 trillion and that in now in the fourth quarter of the year, beginning October 1st, going through December 31st, we are going to be spending $400 billion just over the holidays. And where are we going to be spending this money at Macy's and Sears and, and Penny's and all these other little whatnot shops. And guess what? They're going to want us to come in. And you're going to start seeing these ads and advertisements 
come on in, buy my shoes, buy my jewelry, buy my clothes, come in, buy my cars, my tires, whatever. But what if we did an economic boycott, like what the minister was saying, let's hold on to that $400 billion. And, you know, me, I'm pro T25CL, but if you really need to spend it, come to T25CL and spend it. Or a facsimile, you know, thereof. There are other T25CLs out there that don't necessarily um, are in the entertainment business, but there are other businesses out there, even if they're small, if they sold clothes or shoes or or whatever. We we need to support the, these type of businesses, support our own. So can we do that independently, or do we have to wait for Hillary Clinton or someone like that to come on and say, okay, y'all, here's what you're going to do, and here's what we're going to hand out. So do we as black people have the power to do this ourselves? That is my question. Yes. I mean, you think about these topics that we try to cover as uh, as a nation and then as a people. There are so many aspects of our lives that need to be addressed. Um, I wanted to talk about Minister Farrakhan because the first march was October 16, 1995. And it drew a, a number of attendees, and most of them were black men uh, that came to Washington from all over the country. I mean, I remember so many of, of my, um, my friends, my classmates, all of us had, had um, uh, wanted to go to the march. I wasn't able to go, but uh, I did watch it. Um, but for more than like 12 hours or more, um, all the speeches was called on black men to take responsibility for, for improving themselves, improving their families, and improving their communities. So on, even on that day, Farrakhan had spoke for more than two hours, it said, and, and he expounded on the role of white supremacy in the country's suffering while calling on black men to clean up their lives and become better fathers, husbands, neighbors, brothers, uncles. But the main thing was that at that time, he had blasted the white supremacy, and he did it again this past Saturday. So you think about what he's trying to make us as a people wake up to what we need to do. I think as we had discussed this before, when and where are we going to start waking up? What is it going to take? And I think that's a question that we need to really address is what is it going to take to, to, for us to wake up as a people? Um, um, do you want to take calls on the line now, Andre? Because I know there's people yes, want to call. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Caller, give us your name. Where are you calling in from? Hello, caller. Are you there? Hello, California. California, you're there. All right, well, that's all right. We'll just leave you on on, on the open line if you want to say something. That's fine. But um, it, it was like he was saying, um, he's saying, he's saying, let, let, let me be clear. America has no future for you or for me. She can't make a future for herself, much less a future for us. So on passing the torch, he specifically mentioned Black Lives Matter. 
um, Black Lives Matter. Uh, the group, you know, we are the group that we arose in response to the police involved deaths of our young black men, you know, our future leaderships. So mm-hmm. when you talk about, you know, the the economic structure and the and the enhancement that we need to take that needs to take place with us as a as a people. I mean, why don't we expound upon that? I mean, because we think about all the different organizations that have been formed. We think about the, the people, the role models, the mentors who are bringing these messages across the podiums. But it, it seems like it's, it's everything that we're doing is at a snail's pace. Is it because that we, the neck of American economics has its claws on our on our necks holding us down? Or is it we as a people that's holding ourselves down? It's a little bit of both. Um, they look to us uh, for our spending power to keep their economy thriving. And one of the things that we can't lose sight of, I mean, we are the ones who built this this country. You know, 355 years of free labor will get you a long way. I mean, why do you think China is prospering right now when they're only paying something like 50 cents an hour for wages and they're manufacturing products for the world? So when you pay the people nothing or little or nothing, then guess what? You're going to become very, very wealthy. And... When that happens, you can build up an economy. America was built up off of the, the sweat and the blood of, of, of black slaves for 355 years. And so China is saying, hey, let us do the same thing. Let us suppress our people and, and, and let us get some of this free labor. But now, the other part of your question, do we have the capacity as a people here in America to take our destiny into our own hands? That is a challenge. We are not a monolithic people. We are divided spiritually, morally, ethically, economically, geographically here in this country. You know, we've been here, like I said before, um, for a period of 400 years. And we're still having disagreements on theology. Oh, you're a Christian, oh, you're a Muslim, or you're this or that or whatever. Or you're a crypt, or you're a blood or are you from the east side, I'm from the west side, or the north side. But what has happened to us to destroy ourselves like this? And if we can't do it ourselves, <clears throat> are we waiting on somebody else from Washington, D.C. to do it for us? Mm. And And that would be a sad occurrence because that will be another form of of, of, of slavery, which slavery. will still be beholding. It would be great if we could do it ourselves. That's why all of you who are listening this evening and all of you who will be uh, downloading uh, this recording, 
and listening tomorrow in various parts of the country or the world. We understand that there's distractions going on this evening. There's presidential debates. The Warriors have their first home game tonight and all these new television shows that are on. So there's a lot of distractions that are, are going on right now and the baseball playoffs. But, uh, but when you do listen to this message, the thing that we can do on a on a small level is start changing our dialogue. You know, we have to change up for the better, and it's going to be a gradual change. And it's just like to be like it was back in the seventies when we used to call each other brother, when the Panthers and the Nation of Islam at at the, at the hiatus of the movements in the sixties and the seventies. We would all call each other brothers or, or sisters and greet each other as such. And a lot of that has been lost. And now, what's up, my nig? What's up, B? You know, you get all all of this type of dialogue now. Mm-hmm. And, and if we just start changing the dialogue right now, that would be the first thing that we would have to do. Change the dialogue. Let go of these bad habits, especially the cigarettes and the alcohol. Let them have that. Quit killing yourself. That would be more money into our economy. And then we must improve our network of communication. We have this great Galaxy Talk network. We would love for business owners to call in and be a part of this, and promote your business through our network. And so let us start supporting. If, if what if a million people bought one CD from T25CL tonight? What would that do for us? That would be so much business, we'd be hiring people tomorrow. And then we'd be buying more, more, more equipment and, and getting bigger space to work in. Just by downloading a a CD from from their home. And so these are the things that we need to do. And I'm and I'm I'm definitely proactive on the T two five CO level and and but anybody else can call in and be proactive. I don't care if if it's Willie Joe Jenkins donuts. I don't care. You call in and say come in and buy two of Willie Joe Jenkins donuts tomorrow or 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 his links or whatever it may be, or shoes or coats or hats or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And let's 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 keep them support. Let's trade amongst one another. And that's and, what's key. That's what's key. You know, when you talk about trading amongst one another, um, um, it it works hand in hand. And that's that's another thing that we're lacking. So many are out there, this is mine and you can't have it type of mentality. We need to let go and be able to support one another. It, it, like you said, somebody, if you go to T25CL and buy CD, you'd be amazed. Just one act can grow, can grow enormously 
Well, not only are you helping the community, but you're providing employment. You're providing jobs. You're providing food for a family or, or, you know, a roof over someone's head. When businesses start coming together and keeping it in a community to be able to be supportive, uh, we have a call on the line. Caller, are you there? I know Dr. Judy's been trying to call in, but her call's been dropping. So are you there? I'm here. Hello. Awesome. Very good. All right. Well, welcome, well, Dr. Judy. Hi. Hi, Andre, and hi, Sister Ross. How are you guys doing? Hey, Dr. Judy. It's great to hear from you. Yeah. Um, you know, I was talking to um, Sister Ross earlier. I can't believe it's been 30 years. I mean, I, it, I'm 53, the millionth of March. I, I, I said, wow. So I guess the reality is what has happened in this span of time. And um, we are in a, I would call it a change mode for um, for our country, but not only for our country, but for um, just to be more united um, when it comes to education, when it comes to businesses, when it comes to music. I mean, we, we've come a long way. We still have a long way to go. But I, I, I believe we, we don't need to make excuses for what the gifts and talents we have and how we have to merge our talents and gifts to help, to help everybody, you know? Yeah. And, oh, I tell you, it's been about 20 years from the first million man march. Did I say and, 30? Yeah, yeah, I said 30. 30. Oh, <laughs> okay. And so, um, like I said earlier, uh, one of the changes that I recognize is crime went down in our communities, and even the FBI has said it. And they were just scratching their heads and wondering why has uh, the murder rates uh, gone down in the black community. But that first Million Man March had a profound effect, and so that helped. And we did see what happened in 2008 with the general election when uh, Barack Obama was uh, elected president of the United States, we saw black people collectively come together to put him into office. And Mm -hmm. the the white Democrats are realizing, whoa, we need those people too, so we better be cool in our criticisms here. Because, yeah, they're going to need us to go to that, that voting booth because we have the power between us and our, our Mexican brothers and sisters. We can put anybody in office with the strength of the combined two votes. We outvote everybody. I agree. I believe that the um, the election simulated hope, hope mm-hmm. that we can change. We can do fantastic things when we come together. My half, three, three sons, three African-American boys, and uh, 32, 22, and 15. And I'm very proud to say that uh, when you give back, whether they're your children or the community's children, uh, you can make a difference with this next generation. You really can. And I believe the, the, the central focus with everything happening with the Million Man March, um, uh, President Barack Obama, it just stimulates hope for the next generation. Exactly. Exactly. And I I just wanted to mention this because uh, civil rights leader Benjamin Chavez, uh, who attended the first march, uh, he noted that in the crowd 20 years ago was an Illinois state senator who went to become our black 
president. So we made some progress in his, in his speech is what he said. But you, know, but you know and I know that we've got a lot more progress to make. I mean, there's too much injustice, too much inequality, too much mass incarcerations, um, and too many situations in our community that need to be addressed. And that's why they were there on Saturday. That's why they were there 20 years ago. That's why our people, even today, we still have our marches, our rallies, our Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, marches, because there needs to be a change. Well, let me ask you this, too. Let me ask you this. Let, let me get a little controversial. Now, Minister Farrakhan drew 2 million people in uh, 1995. And looking at the numbers out there the other day, it was probably the same or even more. Definitely um, a million plus. How come... Minister Farrakhan has the power to draw this, these that amount of people, and T.D. Jakes doesn't, Fred Price doesn't, and all these other preachers. How come they can't do or will not do the same thing? Number one is because of the stigma that is on our black ministers today. Number one, because... Too many of our people think that they're out for the bling bling, they're out for all the money, they're out for all the, the dollar signs, and not out for the community as a whole. Now, can't say that about all the pastors because we know that they, they, they're there for the community, but as a whole, um, as, and I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, and I've seen uh, a lot in my Christian life. But I've also seen, you know, the down, downtrodden, not getting any help from these mega churches. So I think it's because Minister Farrakhan has been and always has been for the black man. He is a representation, and I'm, I'm, I'm not Islamic, but I will listen to this man because his words speak just downright, cut you to the bone. But there are more Christians that showed up than Muslims. But how so if there's more Christians out there than Muslims, how come the Christian preachers are not massing the amounts of people collectively together like a Muslim? How can a Muslim bring Christians together and a Christian can't bring Christians together? Well, you know, that would be a question you would have to ask some of the people out there why they were there. That would have been a good question to ask anyone who's a Christian, why did you go to hear um, uh, 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 a leader from the Nation of Islam speak regarding our people? Can I just maybe I, interject an opinion? Unless Dr. Judy has an opinion, I'll, I'll defer a second. Uh, we'll put up this other caller, too. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. In, in regards to your question, um, how can a Muslim um, take the time to um, a creator, should I say, mm, or have the ability more than the time? Yeah, have the ability for 
or the the desire and the uh, to 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 get a captivating audience to that level. You know how is it that he can do that, and then the the Christian men, black men, aren't able to. And and my comment to that is basically this: we are all called to do something on this earth. We 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 are, and and you better know your call. You you better be assured of what you were called to do. When I think about Minister Louis Farrakhan, when I think about Pastor T.D. Jakes, when I think about Fred Price, when I think about the black men who became a voice in our world, they had to be convicted of why they are here. Now, when we put religion on it or a certain sect, Christianity, certain identity, then, yes, we, will, we can say, yes, we're starting to group people into certain groups. But the common thread, and I want to focus on the common thread, is that they were all black men, black men who were called to do something fantastic, great movement, to leave a legacy on this earth. And if we as African Americans cannot respect them as black men and rally behind them, because as an African American woman myself, you know, I speak strong because I've I've raised black boys, but I'm going to tell you something. I could never, ever feel the pain, the, the, the rejection, the, the, the lostness of an African-American man in America. It is, I don't have words to describe what they've gone through, okay? So whenever any of them step up and begin to speak and to begin to influence and to inspire and to move a crowd, I'm going to be behind them because exactly. for one thing, because for one thing, now, I may not believe what they, I'm a Christian. I may not believe, and you may not be able to, I, I'm, I'm not going to compromise that, okay? But I'm not going to put you down. I'm not going to say what you're doing is wrong based on what you believe. I'm excited about what happened in D.C. I, I'm praying it will continue to happen on a larger scale. I'm always, I, I have to remind myself, I have three black men that I'm leaving into this world one day. And that's my focus, to make sure they know why they were called, what to do. Um, Andre, you know what you were called to do. Sister Raj, you know what you were called to do. So we have to get busy about doing that. And I'm, I support both of you. And that's what's key, too, because um, when we talk about the support, we put religion aside because now we're looking at a people as a whole. We, yeah. we put that mentality aside. We need to come together as a people for, our, for the generation, like your sons. You're looking for your sons to be this nation's next leaders. We're looking for our young women to be this nation's next leaders. And we just can't beat them over the head with a Bible. We're Christian. We want them to believe in the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We want them to believe in, in, in you, know, our, 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 you know, how we were brought up. But there's other ways. There's other religions. There's Islam. We, we never, like you said, we never come against any religion because that's what you believe. But when we come together as a people, as a whole, then we're looking for our black leaders, our black men who are the priests of the household, who are the priests and the head of the nation, then that is what we're looking for. We're looking for an answer from from our leaders. We do have another caller that came online, but we'll take that caller. But Andre, go ahead, because I know you wanted to speak. Yeah, I just want to kind of retort a little bit, then we'll take the next uh, caller. It's 
one of the reasons why because the minister didn't come out there, even though he is a Muslim minister, he did not come out there in the capacity of a preacher. Exactly. He didn't come out there teaching out of the Bible and the Quran or what happened 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. You'd have had a mass, you'd have had 2 million people hit the streets if, if he would have done it. But instead, he was talking to the people. And his message wasn't necessarily for the Muslims, per se, because the Muslims already know. But the message is mainly for the Christians. And, but, don't, but you don't have to to get up here and be overly religious and be condescending or somewhat maybe insulting people in the process. But you can still deliver the message to our lost people, but in a language that they'll all understand. And, and sort of like the answer to my question is the reason why these other preachers can't is because they can't teach out of the, out of the, the confines of what has happened in the Bible. They can't, Put it to the side, but learn from it, but carry it forward and raise the dead people here as Jesus was a fisherman of men, raising the dead, not necessarily from the physical grave, but from the spiritual, mental, and emotional grave. This is what you had. You had millions of people out there the other day that were mentally dead but need awakening. It's just always in the mind and changing the mindset over and getting rid of that slave process and and this hatred of self and kind. When you, this is one thing that Elijah Muhammad had said is that when you look in the mirror, when a black man looks in the mirror, he's looking at God Himself. Now, not the God that created the heavens and the earth. But if you're a part of God's creation, and you're a part of that, and once you start expanding your mind and your thought process, you will align yourself more in, in alignment with the creator. All you have to do is start being more God-like. Caller from California, you're on the line, Roslyn's Corner, Roslyn Jordan Mills, Dr. Judy Murray, and Galaxy Chief. You're on with us. Go ahead. Oh, well, hello. This is Barbara with Straight Talk from the Hired Breath. I just want to commend you guys and thank you and uh, send my wishes. I'm coming live from Northgate High School uh, out in Walnut Creek where my daughter's performing with the symphonic orchestra. It was phenomenal. But I, my comment is this. Um, it's so important for for us in this generation to be able to pass on to um, the next generation who is watching us the importance and the symbolism to our people of who Minister Farrakhan is and what happened 20 years ago and how people have said that it couldn't happen and how people started, remember, in the 90s talking about you know, black men were absent. They were absent. They were um, not in the community. They were not doing anything. And the call was uh, initially 20 years ago to set up an understanding that black men are here. They're present and they're in the community and that everything the media is saying about them is untrue. And we're here to dispel that. And this is what the minister started out. Now, the interesting thing about Minister Farrakhan is he can call, he can put out a call 
and he has an infrastructure to be able to go from city to city and have black men show up. There's not very many Christian churches that have that same uh, infrastructure, if I can say, because as a Seventh-day Adventist, we have black preachers who are phenomenal at speaking, but none of them are black leaders. We cannot, we cannot take a pastor and correlate his pastoral gifts of speaking and then say, well, why couldn't a Christian minister put that together? They're not the, they're not, they're not the same. And but they're I'm the same. Sure we, they're, they're both are ministers. One is, well, a, both, is a Muslim well, minister, one is a Christian minister. So what's yes. the difference between the two men? Well, the difference between the two men is the structure, um, the actual structure of their business, their backbone of the church and the church's business. I'm, there's very few religions that don't have a conference, that don't have a um, a board or directorship that everybody falls under. I mean, you know, there's one of my favorite ministers, which is uh, uh, Joyce Meyer. You know, she comes under the umbrella with Joel Osteen and I think Pastor T.D. Jakes, and they're all up underneath this, something you don't see, but it's an umbrella. And that umbrella allows them the privilege to have their mega worship services. And, you know, I work for all of these pastors that have – television presence as a makeup artist. And so they all have this common thread between them. But the common thread is not blackness and is not of the perpetuation of the black man. It is a different agenda. Whereas mm-hmm. Louis Farrakhan is the minister and head of his own infrastructure. That makes the difference. Exactly, exactly. Um, but still, then what is the mission of the black preacher then? I mean, what is his goal and objective? I mean, you, you go to church for two hours. He's quoting history from the scriptures. You're hearing a choir sing, and then you're out, and then you're on about your merry way. What is the goal from that? I mean, what is what is the end result? What is the Christian preacher trying to accomplish? We saw the result of what Minister Farrakhan's message is, bringing 2 million people together, and over 90% of those people, I guarantee you, were Christian. And if you go, if you take the total population of a, a Muslim mosque across the country, it's probably maybe 200,000 people, but if you took that same count of the Christian churches across the country, it's probably 20 to 30 million going to well, the churches. Well, so, I'd, I'd like to respond to that, uh, if I may. Uh, you know what I, I think is very important to understand uh, when we talk about Christianity and uh, the Muslim faith and all these different digested interests, you know, I think for myself, and for my particular religion of choice, it is important, and I'm Christian and I'm an Adventist, I will say that, it is important for the, for the church to be the hospital of the community. It is a place where you come and you get better or you learn how to deal with what you're going with. You, they give you strategies to deal with what life is giving you. 
But since we found ourselves to be so sought after in these last, since our president, let's face it, since our president has been seated in office, we as black people have been targeted uh, at a um, at, a, at a, a certain pitch that we haven't seen since the 60s. And I think that what's important to recognize is that when you go to church, as a person of color, you need to be going to church to get the information that's going to allow you to be able to maintain yourself when you're in the public eye. That's the most important thing. Um, I think what Minister Farrakhan is trying to uh, display is a movement and a movement of black people which has nothing to do with your church or with your particular faith or your religion or your whatever your lifestyle is, but to elevate your thinking to be able to bring about an economic shutdown to show your unhappiness and your discontent with justice as it is right now in the United States. I think that's, a two, that's two different things that can't be compared. Does freedom start with a congressional amendment, or does this start between your ears? Well, if you're talking about U.S. freedom, that, you know, come on now, you know, they tell us that we're free. Well, they started out being white and creating a free life for themselves on our backs. And after they got that going and uh, they tried to – uh, promote that for 300 years, then they decided, well, you know, maybe we'll let them be free, but they'll never really be free because we still have an economic tyranny that we're running. So we, we, we hear the propaganda of the media speaking about the democracy that we send our sons and daughters blindly off the war to fight. But the bottom line is we're a utilitarian society, and that has nothing to do with where, how you vote, with how you, what laws are placed, because none of them are in your favor. So freedom is not free because freedom doesn't exist. And that's what we have to remember. And we well, have let me to work within that. Let, let me ask all, both of you guys this, everybody this. I, I want a response from everybody. As black people, did we have more of a unity base in 1865, or do we have more of a unity base in 2015? We'll let Dr. Judy start first. Well, it depends. I feel it depends on your perspective of when you say the word unity. Is it unity in the way we think? Is it unity in how we spend our money? Is it unity in what we believe in? So many layers of, you know, is there a difference? And I think I am going to agree with um, Barbara regards to mixing apples and pears and, you know, to uh, uh, you know, uh, this, hello? No, your, your phone's yeah. breaking up. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. stay Okay, yeah, I'm sorry, but um, I was, let me reemphasize I believe I was talking about um, comparing apples with oranges and oranges with apples. And um, the question, I mean, you go back to, is, is there a difference between 1850 and 2015? Of course, we have read history books about how it was 
And so based on our history and what we've read, we've got, we know that it's, that it's either, it can't be that much difference because we're still dealing with some economic um, division. We're dealing with things that we believe that are different. Um, we are, there's so many differences. But I, honest with you, tonight when I, what I'm hearing, and I'm, I'm extremely, when it comes down to diversity and difference in opinion, I really, really want to focus on the future. I know, I mean, even in education, the problems, the, the, the mass, um, should I say, differences among us as a race. And there, there's always going to be, trust me, always going to be something that divides us whether you're blue, green, purple, orange, whether you believe in, in this and that. I mean, when God, I believe, when God created us, he really wanted us to do something for him. And I'm going to go back to the purposes. And I, I, I so much agree with uh, Sister Barbara about the movement. Minister Farrakhan is able to do something that no other man can do, and that's his call. T.D. James can do something he can motivate like no other man can do. Joyce Myers, all these people that are called to be leaders in our nation, we have to embrace what they were called to do. And, yeah, we can talk about what has not been right, what has not has been right, what is not going right today, but if we cannot, or even on this radio show, begin to strategize and leave a deposit for these children that are behind us, then even our, even our efforts are, are, are fruitful. They, they, we, we've got to begin to strategize to see what can we do, even with the progress, whether the progress is great or small. We have to agree that we, we can get on a talk show like this and talk. And I don't believe, I'm, I can't say this, I'm not, I don't believe in the 1800s we're able to do what we're doing tonight. So, yes, there's a lot that has changed and there's more to change, but we have to stick together. Well, let me take a stab at that, at my own question. Um, I remember, like, in I'll, I'll bring it forward um, to the 1960s, and I remember when uh, my family, you know, we used to all get together and, and go to Texas and visit the families there in the 60s, 70s, and everybody's home who you went over would always have a table of food. Oh boy, and you just got filled up full of food and every you had to go to everybody's house and if you didn't eat it was an insult. Also, my mother and father had six children. My father's sister, her and her husband, they had about eight. And so two sets of parents and fourteen children, we all stayed together in a three bedroom home. No problem. And about 12 of us shared the same bathroom. And we made it happen. Nowadays, to just kind of speed forward a little bit, when you go to people's house, they're going to be offering you something to drink that's going to be 8, 9, or 10 proof. You're not going to be getting the food and things like you did in the old days. You're not going to have the unity whereas people can come out of town and stay at your home and stay on the floor on the couch and doubling up or tripling up, whatever it may be. You're not getting that nowadays. You're not getting it to whereas just like when uh, my relatives came out here from Texas and came and lived in one house in West Oakland until everybody got a job and went out and got their own home. 
but they were able to live collectively together. And going back now to the 1800s and 1880s, I looked at the census report. Uh, my great-great-grandmother, uh, my great-great-grandfather just died, and she was raising, I think it was about uh, seven children, and then uh, one of them got married, and then some, a couple other people living in the house. There's about 10 of them or so living in one home right out there in, in Center Point, Texas. And, and But they would work together, and then whatever resources they would get, they would bring it to that home, and they, they would all survive off of those resources. There was a way that, yeah, you can say, oh, man, they might have been poor, but they re- weren't really poor let's say, because they had the necessities, food, clothing, and shelter, and they made it happen. And But you look today, it seems as though there's more of this individual type thing. And now I see such things as when I see friends and relatives of mine, if I don't care if they're just going fishing, a group of eight to ten brothers, it might be six or seven cars going because some cats want to ride alone in their own car. And so it's it's just a whole different time now of unity. We have lost a lot of what we had in those days. We may not have had a lot of resources per se, but the one thing that we did have is we had a family unity. We had a structure that we lived on. And this is something that has been lost here in 2015. And it's one of the things that we kind of sort of got to get back as well with this whole thing as we try to get economic uh, independence here in the year 2015. Um, well, yes. I had a point. Uh, Rosalind, you want to go ahead? or No, go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, just, I just wanted to make this point about something that uh, recently came across my um, diaspora my, in my world. And that's the ability to come under authority. Now, do you guys remember when we had the pastor that came on and he had the church and he was talking about how um, we as a people need to change and learn how to come under authority so that we can be unified, so that we can have relationships that are long-lasting and meaningful, and so we can teach our young people how to respect one another and marry and then have children and move forward in life in, with order and with pride. And Remember that? And I think yeah. that that is one of the, the major problems that we're having. I think the idea that no one can come under someone else's authority. You know, I've made my home available for just that. And I had somebody tell me just recently, oh, well, you know, this is your place, and, you know, I don't know how I fit in this place. So, you know, we are falling for the okie doke. We are falling for what even the the American dream, if you will, even though America is not achieving it. We are breaking our backs to pay bills to uh, prove something to someone else that's really not even eating at our table. 
You mentioned about how we used to get together. Uh, you know, hey, who's got money to prepare that kind of food, that level of eating? I mean, that's one of the things that's killing us. You know, if I go over to so-and-so's house, you know, can I eat their food? Maybe not. They might be serving pork. They might be serving um, uh, in a way or cooking in a manner that I have no longer eaten that manner, so I'm eating differently. I'm eating more clean, more raw. I mean, this is what's happening with us is we're all moving into this permanent isolation and independence, and we come under no one's authority, and that causes us a rift in our relationships, male to female. That causes us a, a problem in our age, meaning uh, my mother telling me what to do as her daughter, and I'm grown and she's grown. And it goes on even as to my child understanding what I'm saying and coming under my authority. So this, I think, is, you know, as a black man, I wish you would give us some perspective on how we as women can still be the authors of our own uh, 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 you know, we're working and we're supporting ourselves mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. whatnot, but we still need to come under authority. So as a man, how do we give another man that authority? Why don't you answer that for me? Well, first of all, the man's got to be a learned man, and he's got to know how to use that authority and not misabuse that authority. And that authority can't be so dogmatic, you know. It's got to be in a way that, you know, we're teaching our, our, our women and our children, and we're being respectful at the same time. And we're not ruling with the fist. Now you have to rule with the mind and your intellect and what you know and your experience. And I guarantee you, uh, black women. Will 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 be a great mate for any black man. But, but black women are looking for leadership, and and usually that's why that that preacher gets them. This is why you see the majority of people in the church are black women, and and they look at that preacher as a strong man. He's delivering his words. He's not stumbling over his words, and and they want that same strength in the man that they have at home. They want that brother who, who can talk. They want the brother that is strong, and they want that brother that has no fear. You guys don't want a man that's sitting up here scared to death and worried about what somebody's going to do or what somebody's going to say. No, you want a, a, a strong black man, and I mean mentally strong, and I'm not talking about going out and having the ability to beat somebody up or shoot somebody up or cause harm to anyone, but to be mentally, emotionally, psychologically strong and for that man to be a leader so that 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 woman is proud of that man. And then when you make children, your, your sons and your daughters are proud of the father because the father is the head of that family. But it just depends on that man what his background is, and then if he has the courage and if he has the knowledge to raise a family and to support a great black woman. But part of this comes from from you guys as sisters. We need your strength. 
as well. We need your security. Why do you think they have that saying behind every great black man, there's a woman? And that's true. That's very, very true. We need the sisters there with us in our endeavors. And then we'll be collectively strong together. And this is what you saw on on Saturday with the minister. And then if you go even to the Christian church on Sunday, you will see the same thing. You will see a strong black man up there in that pulpit, even though his message may be somewhat limited in scope, but he's still a strong man in what he does and his convictions, no matter what, if that scope has certain limitations that will free and abate us and to assist us in expanding our mindset. Very good. I agree with you, Chief, wholeheartedly. I've always been raised to uh, respect my father as the head of the household. I've seen it uh, throughout my family, um, even when I was younger. Um, when you talk about education, um, I remember when, uh, you know, the teachers, they were allowed to give you a spanking if you act up and then go home and tell your mama, and then your mama would tell you up. Um, there's a unity in the community. Um, when you talk about growing up and families coming together as a whole, when you had that strong male figure in the home, you had that strong father in the home that gave the family security, a, a, a feeling of safety, a feeling of knowing that, excuse me, that that support was there. Um, today, it's, it's, it's lacking very much so. Because back in the day, and you think about when we talk about history, and uh, Dr. G says, you know, the books taught us the history, but then life, if you go to your grandmother or if your great-grandma was still, still living, they would give you the history of your family. They would give you the history of the people back in those times when, when they were growing up how families came together, how, like you remember, when you were able to take a whole family of 13 or 14 kids and sit everybody down at the table on the floor in the corner and be able to eat a meal. The economy of today is so topsy-turvy and so turned upside down. As Barbara was saying, we are struggling. People are struggling trying to make ends meet trying to, you know, uh, uh, wonder where your next meal was coming from, wondering if you were able to put gas in your car, to be able to make your car notes and insurance. They didn't have that back in the day. You had your horse and buggy. The times have changed. But the structure of leadership, the structure of the home should never have changed, but it has. You have children who are dominating over the parents. You have uh, parents who are not taking their role as parents. You have single-parent homes. You have fathers, uh, men who are not 
being the fathers that they should be. You have women trying to raise young boys where they need to have men in their lives. Women will never be a father. Women will never be a man. Young men need strong men in their lives to teach them what it is to be a man, to teach them what it is to support a family, to teach them what it is to be a leader in their community, in their town, in their country, in the world. And so there's so much that has fell apart with us as a people, with us as a nation, and it's, it, we keep saying we, it's time it's time to make that change. Well, when are we going to stop saying it's time to make that change and make the change? We hear the story from the time 20 years ago, from 40 years ago, from 60 years ago. When are we going to see the change in our people? You know when? It's when we as a people take the responsibility of our own actions. It's, it's, it's going to take um, so, you know, sometimes you can't even find the words to say when is, when are we going to, when is, is justice going to, going to take place? When is all this that's going on going to, going to change for the better? Um, there was a, a representative who said that we will march on so over aggressive law enforcement procedures and that will not take president over the day. We will march until every child that has access to high quality education. Dr. Judy is on it. She's on it. She's on it. Education. We need to educate our children. They are our next generation. We will march so that every citizen we know that they can have health care, that they can have a, a, a better way of life. But there has to be a starting point. I know that there is. It's just so minute, and we need to, it, it, what, is, what is the word says? It just needs to blow up. Mm-hmm. So much needs to take place. And we need to wake up, people. We need to tell, like, black lives matter. Black lives do matter. But lives matter. How is it so easy now that these young black brothers can go and just walk up to somebody and take their lives? Where does that mentality come from? How is it that these young women can go out here and just just express their bodies and throw their bodies and and show everything but the kitchen sink that they're having? And how can they go out there and, and, and where is that mentality? Where does that mentality come from? There has been a breakdown somewhere. A breakdown somewhere. So we as a people, and I know we're we're we're, we're talking about us as black people because that that's our, right now is our main concern of black people because we're just the, we're the, we're the underdogs. But we think about it. where is it going to start. So that's my question. Where is it going to start, or when is it going to stop? It's already well. well there is a little bit of both. When is the justice going to stop, and when is the justice for our people going to start? Well, I, I think it's I, – I love what you're saying, Rosalind, because you hit the nail on the head. And we all understand that, you know, we are operating at a de- deficit. But when, when we really what, – what's really happening is it's, it's a new financial order being put in place. And um, 
I don't know, but I think, you know, all of you, I don't know if recently you've tried to rent a car, but they've just, just recently in the past two weeks, the entire industry for how you rent a car, a simple thing is renting a car has changed. And, you know, you can't rent you can't rent a car anymore like, oh well let me just go rent a car and let me go over here. You know, I I'm I'm blessed. Uh you're blessed because we all have cars. But think about those that don't have them and rent them for work or rent them to promote whatever they're trying to do. There's things are changing. And they're changing and they're changing without us in power, without us making the decisions, and they're also changing with us accepting the media information that tells us what's happening. Now, Andre and I, we share a love for for Oakland, California. You know, I'm right on the front. I don't live in Oakland anymore, but I'm on the front line in Oakland. And I just to give you a perfect example of false information. You know, we've had 76 murders in Oakland, and we've had three of them solved. And then yet we still say that it's us killing us. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't us killing us. Maybe we need to revisit that. Maybe we need to revisit some of the things. I think that's really important to think about what Minister Farrakhan is doing by pulling a million black men to one space. I mean, all these things that they're telling us, the census, how many of us vote, how many of us have a certain uh, 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 economic status. You know, the, the information we're getting is false, just like his story in the history books. We're being gypped on the information. And once we get that in, what, what, that's what's so great about T25CL. We have the propensity to be able to give out real information worldwide. And I think that in, as we move forward in this economic battle that we're in as black people, I think this is going to be the new currency, our education and our ability to create our own story and our own information to our own people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you're absolutely right. And so that's why we encourage over our shows, we don't hold back. We tell the truth. We tell it like it is. And we don't sugarcoat anything. We 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 bring it on out. That's the goodness of uh, being on internet radio versus being on terrestrial radio. Because though no, we'd have to watch everything we say, we'd be governed by the FCC and all that stuff. So we're not regulated by anybody. So we're free to speak on whatever we may uh, want to speak on. And I definitely agree with you about certain truths and stuff coming out and there's things that I, I read a lot of stuff every day on on the internet, a lot of things that, you know, we already know. Now they're starting Vladimir Putin is getting ready to uh release information on the truth about nine eleven, how that was a conspiracy between the United States, Israel and Great Britain. They're also bringing out now the uh, one gentleman brought out 10 points on the Kennedy assassination and how that was covered up and how that was all about the government. And then all these other drugs and diseases that they implant in with us, such as the Tuskegee uh, experiment. And I remember when I was coming up, they made us go and take these little sugar cubes. They said, oh, you got to go down here and and take the sugar cube. So when we got out of church one day, we went over to Longfellow School, took the sugar cube, 
And then years later, we found out that uh, that stuff was laced with some stuff. I think it was called SB111 or whatever it was. But it was a, a cancer-causing agent. And this was back in the 60s. And now, what do you see more than ever? Breast cancer, uterus cancer, prostate cancer. Uh, you, now you go and get a lung cancer and you're dead in four days. And you didn't have all this stuff back in the 60s, the 50s, the 40s, 30s, and prior to then. And even though your diet may not have been that 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 good, well, maybe the food was cleaner back in those days. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing of it is, you you see all these diseases and asthmas and all this strokes and all this nonsense that pops up now that wasn't very prevalent back there in in those days. And so these truths are now coming out, and they usually wait about 50 years before they start releasing things. So you're going to start hearing the truth about 9-11. You're going to start hearing the truths about the deaths of Martin Luther King, John Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, Malcolm X. You're going to start hearing more and more about the truths that are coming out. And, and, and unfortunately enough, some of these truths are going to be coming out from, from Putin over there in, in Russia because, you know, these cats are getting pretty upset with one another. And so more and more stuff is, is uh, going to start coming out. And, and don't be surprised. So this stuff here is really going to force us to come collectively together more and more and more because pretty soon that's all we're going to have is is one another. We're going to have to end up sharing our little rice and beans and little water and, and resources that we have. So we, we need to start practicing our unity a little bit more. And I'll just close out on that where I opened up with the show. This freedom has got to start between the ears. It starts there, but then save somebody next to you. Start saving your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your children, and just just talk to them like we're talking here on on this on this show tonight. And exactly. so freedom starts right here at home. Exactly. And, I, and I, I just wanted to say one thing. Uh, I wanted to also say I think it's very important in this new day and age that once we organize, just like with uh, the organization of Black Lives Matter, just recently they had a meeting uh, with um, uh, Hillary Clinton, and uh, she said, yes, it's a pleasure to meet the czars of the Internet. And that was her response to meeting with them, and she met with them because they are part of her political movement to hear what they have to say. But it was a secret meeting because of why? One reason, because nobody knows who they are. And I think this is how we have to start strategizing ourselves. We don't have to put a front man out there where we need somebody that is leading us, that's out there, that also can have his life taken. What we need is an undercurrent an under-movement that we don't discuss, that we don't put forth and allow somebody like Raven Simone to talk about who would, uh, uh, who would immediately negate all the good that was being done. I mean, this is what we have to do, and we have to start these strategies at home by keeping our dirty laundry to ourselves, by not allowing 
the system and the people who are trying to strategize to make other people happy, to lump us in with the, the situations with illegal immigrants and with the situations with homosexuals and deviant sexual behavior. We are African Americans, and we are here after 400 years of survival of tyranny, and we need reparations, and we need to be treated in a different manner. Our situation is totally different than any of these other groups that would like to come and get their uh, needs met on our coattails. We need to start separating, and I, I, I hate to say it, but that's the, that's the key to this. And when you start seeing anonymous and these other Internet um, uh, 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 entities uh, going after police departments and releasing information and literally setting us free, setting us free through their way of handling it, we need to start aligning ourselves and understanding that this battle is not going to be, it's not going to be a battle that we're all going to see, like Gil Scott said. It's not going to be like that. <laughs> this battle is going to be over the Internet. You'll see. And over who has control of it and who is able to make money, who's not able to make money, who's able to get currency, who's not able to spend their currency. I mean, this is what's going to happen. So anyway, um, my kids are done. God bless you all. Pleasure being on. And I'll see you next uh, week, 730, Straight Talk or Fire. Okay, all right. What, well, what, is your, what is your show about next week? Oh, next week. Aha. Well, I my uh, thought was to have a few of uh, the young people that have had an opportunity to soak in what Minister Farrakhan had to say, and I wanted to have them come on and give us their view, the a younger version of what they think that means to them and their ideals of where they're going to take that message and how is it going to change. I mean, are we going to go for justice or else? Are we going to strategize economically Christmas and uh, not and, and not purchase items? I mean, what are we going to do now that we've been instructed? That's next week, 730. You're going to have um, to listen to a recording of this show as well, what we did tonight. All right. Exactly. Uh, I, I have a question to everybody, too. And what is the, the or else? Justice or else? If we don't get justice, what is the or else? Dr. Judy, are you there? I'm still here, but I'm not a I'm not uh, familiar with that with that phrase or term. I, mean, I don't I don't. Can you, could you rephrase? Is that something you're saying or you? No, that was the that was the uh, the slogan that was used at the Million Man March: justice or else. And when they were talking about, you know, there should be justice for everything that's going on with when we address Black Lives Matters. But when we talk about the or else, is that a rise of, of you know, um, you know, of our people doing what? We're thinking about what does the or else mean? Maybe you can expound on that, Andre. Well, the way I read it, and once again, I'm, I'm going back to the church because, Everybody, especially in in the church, even in the Muslim religion, religion, you're looking for the return of Jesus, or you're looking for the uh, Mahdi. You're looking for the return, and this is what's prophesied in in the three major religions. 
And so if divine intervention, and you guys know I've been calling for this on, on a few of the shows, that this problem has gotten so pervasive and so bad that it is time for divine or off-planet in, intervention to come into play. And no matter what name you may call that person, if it's God, the Son of God, if whatever it may be, or if it's an alien from Alpha Centauri, it's this problem on this planet has gotten to a crucial, crucial, crucial point. We, as poor black people here in America, do we have the ability to change all this around by having discussions, by having meetings? Do we actually have the ability to do it ourselves that whereas this change will come because of the uh, the fruits of our labor? Or is this going to be as what the scriptures say, a separation of the sheep from the goat. And they're kind of, if you pay attention to some of the films and television series, they address this issue commonly called the event, which will be that day of reckoning. And if you look online and find the Georgia Guidestones, there is a plan in play to knock uh, the population of the planet down to 500,000 people. So this or else thing is a very subjective topic because it really means the event and it's going to be a forceful termination. Either you bring freedom, justice, and equality peacefully here on this earth for which they have the capacity to do, to do, but maybe not the will or the audacity. And if you don't, maybe someone else is going to come here and is going to do it, but in a way that a lot of us may not like it. Thank you for clarifying that. On the weekend, I apologize on the weekend, my son's and high-level football, and I, and I just, I'm wrapped up as a parent and it caught up in his football. But what I'm going to do, because I kind of came in kind of cold, not hearing what Minister Farrakhan talked about and the emphasis of themes and so forth and all the, like you just said, the uh, the statements, the slogans, I, I I hope that it was recorded. I hope somehow, some way I can go on the Internet and listen to what he said. Then I'll be that, better um, uh, equipped to respond to what you know, what what this whole show is about. So I just kind of wanted to kind of oh, go to go to C-SPAN. Just go to C-SPAN. Okay. C-SPAN. And okay. the whole thing is there. And you okay. can listen to it, the entire message. Okay, I will. Okay, all right. And, well, so, and well, what well, we're doing tonight is just carrying okay. forward from the message and just interjecting with our own opinions. And we wanted to get the opinions from others and to see what we can do to start the process. Exactly. And right. I just wanted to, I wanted to end the show. Thank you, for Dr. Judy, for joining us. 
We want to thank Barbara for joining us. Uh, both of them are going to be a great show. Well, of course, Barbara's a great show host, uh, radio show host. Uh, um, but uh, Dr. Judy, she'll be starting her show as well uh, next month. We're looking forward to it. Uh, Dr. Judy, let our listening audience know a little bit about your show and what they have uh, looking forward to. The title of the show is Educating the Next Generation. And um, what that entails is pretty much a new form of how we hire teachers in America, uh, the diversity of the teachers, who's, who's training the teachers on every level, whether it's elementary, um, middle school, high school, and college. And the focus is educating the next generation. Who are these people? Where do they come from? What's their background? What's their purpose? What's their passion? Should they even be in the classroom? So that's what it's focusing on, uh, educating the next generation. Very good, very good. But I just want to leave everyone with this last comment, this last statement that was made regarding the Million Man March. And the statement was made that today's gathering is a reaffirmation of the faith that the dark past has taught us and of the hope the present has brought us. So we want to, want to just continue to keep that in mind because we remember our past. We never forget from whence we come, from whence our, our people have come. But we want to continue to think about where we're going as a people, as a nation. Education, number one, is key. But we want to continue to strive forward as individuals because it starts with individuals, our lives, our mentality, our physiological and psychological beings. What are we going to do as, an, as a human being to make this nation great? Because it starts with an individual and it starts with you. So I want to thank everyone who's been on the show. Uh, of course, my co-host with uh, Andre Ward, our chief CEO of T25CL Entertainment, LLC, and Galaxy Talk Radio. So without further ado, we just want to thank everyone. The show has been recorded, of course. Uh, it'll be ready in a couple of hours. You can go back and listen to it over and over. And listen, there's some nuggets. Education is being um, recorded here. And so um, I think we're done here. Andre, you're done? Yes, I must say whatever your address is anywhere in this country, I don't care if it's 123 Main Street, that's where freedom, justice, and equality starts. It's right there in your own home with your immediate family. Start right there, and this thing might can work because I don't think we want to see that or else it'll be too late. Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us tonight here at T25CL Entertainment here at Roslyn's Corner. Of course, my show tomorrow night, I am going to have none other than the legendary Gerald Austin, the lead singer of the Manhattans. Uh, I'm going to have Mr. Uh, Doc Scratch Borders, who's the singer with Marvin Gaye. I'm going to have Ms. Brenda Lee Egan, who's the singer with the legendary Jerry Butler. And a few other hosts of great people who are going to be on tomorrow. It's going to be some great entertainment tomorrow. So join me tomorrow night, again, here at Roswell's Corner, T25CL Galaxy Talk Radio. So we want to wish everyone a good night. Good night, everyone. Peace.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.